Dusky goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another European episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Champions League. With me, as always, is a man who, to me, is like diving is to Neymar, Lewis. Always going with a little bit of foreshadowing in the metaphor, but we will be looking today at Group H and the way Leipzig had a seven-goal thriller and almost dropped points. And then we'll take a look at United versus PSG and all the diving that goes with it. Then we'll move over to Group B action, where Real Madrid once again managed to surprise everyone with their current form. And Gladbach dropped points and the opportunity to secure a group win. We'll also have a look at Group F and Dortmund dropping points as well. And Club Bruges, do they have the chance to make it through to the round of 16? And then a couple of outliers, including Giroud scoring four and Ronaldo setting more records. But we've already talked so much about uh, Group H and, you know, the group of death. It was already called in the run-up to the Champions League. So we'll start with this one. And I think we have to start, and I know, Bill, you, you're dying to get something off your chest with the United-PSG game, but you're going to have to indulge me for a little bit. And we have to start off with this seven-goal thriller where Leipzig just made everything hard on themselves. It wasn't a great defensive performance from Leipzig. And now they're missing their open Mercado for uh, arguably a must-win game against United next week. Yeah, it it doesn't really scream in control, does it? Because, I mean, they let Cavecchi score a hat-trick. And, I mean, they let him score a hat-trick of long-range goals. Yeah, but they were nice goals. And if you were were Cavecchi, he did look good against United last week. Yeah. But you'd be so... That Alexander Soloff goal, the the guy who couldn't get a goal for Crystal Palace, absolutely sickening if you were Cavecchi. Oh, yeah. I mean, he... He just did. He just did show a masterclass of uh, long-range shooting, you know that I think Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard would be proud of. But you also have to ask questions because Leipzig went up three-one. They should have had that game in the bag. Why are they letting Bazakshashir come back in any form or fashion? That is just. It is just so poor, and it just shows that you know Leipzig still have a long way to go in this in terms of. Um, experience and international experience because you know a team like Real Madrid went back in the day when they were good um, or a team like Barcelona like Bayern um, just any team with who've been in the Champions League for ages they would have played or they would have calmly uh, let the minutes take down and they wouldn't have made such a big deal out of it but Leipzig just made life difficult for themselves and I mean Isabel tied it up 3-3 it was looking very, very shaky. I think that's got, that's got to be something they need to shore up before next week. I mean, I'm hoping they don't. And losing <laughs> Upa Meccano is massive. But I think you're right. I think if, if Bayern 
a 3-1 up after an hour, I think that game's comfortably won. I think if you look back at that Real Madrid team that won all those Champions Leagues, they're 3-1 up after an hour. That's probably game over. Yeah, it's just... I think I think you could I think it's best described as just you know inexperience in that team, and you know good on uh, Solo finally getting a goal for Leipzig. I mean, he had the chance at the weekend um, in the Bundesliga and put his penalty. I mean, it wasn't wide, but it was just a crap penalty. You know, it was savable given Ortega makes a great save on it, but you know, so Zola just had this, it was just a, it was just a poor run of form in front of goal. And, you know, for a striker, that's, that's never good. <laughs> no surprise to see Eddie and Vistia get an assist as well for the first goal, actually. And the second. Oh, he got two, did he? Mad. Yeah. Like it doesn't surprise me because Istanbul they were so live. Obviously they beat United in Istanbul and were miles better. And after going two nil down last week, they suddenly jump started and really started to play. So I wonder if that's a similar thing to what happened against Leipzig. They went three nil down. Or three one downs, or and then suddenly jump started into playing again. I mean, it's it is a bit of a, or it, I guess you could say it's not that not that great if it takes you know being down two or three nil for you to you know for it to kickstart a team into action because that's a bit you're going to concede a lot of goals for one thing. Um, we also have to say that Danny Olmo definitely shows that he is a player who is a lot more than just, you know, a talented guy who Leipzig snapped up from a no-name league. He's now becoming, you know, one of the emerging talented players and he's he's on his way to world class. That's a bold shout. He made it into Spain's national team in the span of a year. You yeah, but just... that Spain national side isn't anything special. You say that, but they've got their, they've, I think they've successfully managed to turn it around. I mean, it's been a, it's been a process since, you know, the disastrous World Cup of 2014, but, you know, they've managed to turn themselves around, but we're getting off topic here. I think we've talked enough about, you know, Leipzig. They've now got nine points in group H, but what about Manchester United versus PSG? This had all the makings for a game of the ages and you have to say judging by you know the chances and the way the game went PSG scored a couple goals too many I I don't know what I don't really know what you want me to say to this because I, I could sit here and I could bitch and I could moan and I could say we were cheated out of that game because we were yeah, this is exactly what I want you to say so just let it all out so, for anyone that hasn't seen it, and anyone that doesn't know, if Fred should have been sent off after like 15, 20 minutes. We it's have very to say, soft. And, sorry, uh, sorry. Sorry, but it's very soft. And Paredes goes down, or Paredes goes down, 
so easily, but Fred moves his head towards Paredes. And any any other game, any other referee, that is a red card. The ref looks at it and goes, now that's only a yellow. Okay, here, I have to interject and say, I'm going to disagree with you because that is so negligible. We see those, you know, those fake headbutts so often and they're not even counted as, you know, a real foul. And you just have to say that PSG are right now making themselves one of the most hated teams in Europe because they've got two divers in Neymar and Paredes. And I mean, the way Paredes goes down, you'd think he'd been, you know, hit by Anthony Joshua with a right hook. But if Fred, yeah, he goes and he makes that movement of like a headbutt, but he, he barely brushes his, uh, brushes his, uh, his forehead. For me, that yellow is, is a perfect way to handle that situation. But okay, so that that wasn't the the thing that got me. That wasn't the thing that annoyed me. The thing that annoyed me was, so people are saying that oh well, Solskjaer should have taken him off. Well, no, no, there's no need to change and take a defensive player off when we're drawing one all. There's no need. Yellow cards, are yellow cards. Players play with yellow cards all the time. What gets me is he was sent off for a tackle. He won, so he won the ball. He got nothing but the ball. But because Ander Herrera, and I've been, you know, I had this at my uh, at United. He goes down and it's all very, like he's been shot from the Stretford end. And then you've got everyone. You've got Paredes, you've got Neymar, all crowding the referee. going, oh no, send him off, send him off, send him off. Last time I checked, that's not allowed. Yeah, I mean, it's just another argument why PSG just become a team that you just don't want to see play. Because, you know, I, I'd say PSG have this team that, you know, they should be winning titles and they should be doing well and they've got so much quality on the pitch, but then they just they just kill that quality with a bunch of moaning and a bunch of diving and just very, very undisciplined, you have to say almost. It's just not fun to watch them at all and you know Neymar he showed his brilliance with that with the with the run-up to the third goal and you know the third goal is just because United are throwing everything forward and it was bound to happen but you know it's that one piece of quality that still allows Neymar to be counted as one of the world's greatest, but then, you know, just the rest of his game is just so much of, you know, taking every single contact, like it's a freaking grenade and it just doesn't make it fun to fun to watch. And that also, that also leads me to, you know, the tackle that Fred did, because in my opinion, I'd say you can't, it's a 50, 50 decision. I've seen some referees give it, uh, a booking or at least a foul. I've seen some referees not give it, but you know, I think when the player's on a yellow and he's won the ball, and, you know, he clatters into him a little bit. You know, I think you can give the foul, but you yeah, know, but he's won, won he's won the ball. That's not follow through or not. He's got the ball. That's what I'm saying. That's so it shouldn't fu- be a yellow. It shouldn't be a yellow. It should uh, be a foul, re- but it should be a The referee had an absolute shocker from start to finish. And the worst thing was, he let Neymar be in his ear the entire game. Oh, yeah. Neymar was living rent-free in that referee's head. I said to you after game week one, 
the more I watch of Neymar, the less I like him. I'm really now starting to full-on hate him. And for me, he's not going to be remembered as one of those great players because he's a petulant little bitch. Yeah, yeah. Being a legend in football is about doing all of it. Not a few flicks and tricks against 10 men. Not doing it in some shite farmer's league. Yeah, it's... He's never going to win Ballon d'Or, simple as. No, he won't. Just not going to happen. Because he left, he, is, he left Barcelona because he was in the shadow of Messi. He's joined PSG and he's no, he's worse than Mbappe. Yeah, I'm sorry. The way he he killed his career with his move to PSG. The worst thing, okay, I, there's got to be something said. I'm not going to sit here and bitch about PSG because Cavani hit the bar. Okay, great. Martial. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh, it's just that you just hate to see it, don't you? Oh, it's no. It's like watching me try and score. And you've seen me try and score. Yeah, but here's the difference. I've seen you score. <laughs> this is also true. <laughs> I'm burying that. Exactly. You, you've buried that. You know, put, put Anthony Marcel on that five-a-side pitch that we used to play on. And he missed that goal. Do you know what the worst thing is as well? is if we don't draw, at least draw. We're lucky we beat Leipzig 5-0. Yeah, that's the only reason right because now our that goal you difference, have, yeah. Our goal difference is, could save us. But it wouldn't be the goal difference that's, that would set you apart from Leipzig. It would be the direct comparison of your first game. And the fact that United won that 5-0 is the winning ticket, basically. So Leipzig have a must-win game, and United could draw. See, they could win or draw. It doesn't matter. The thing that annoys me, and the thing I'm going to be I'm going to absolutely seething if we drop down to the Europa League, because one, on the one hand, you could say it's, it's not, we don't deserve to play Europa League because of how, you know, we beat Leipzig, how we did, the way we played against PSG the first time. But then you look at that game against Istanbul, like that performance was utterly shambolic. It was just if, such a stark contrast between If what we'd you, won that game... Yeah. In Istanbul, we'd have been through last week. This game would have been a nothing game. Yeah. And I wouldn't yeah. be sat here seething. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, I guess it is what it is at this point. But, you know, you've got, as you said earlier, Leipzig are missing Upamecano for the next match. It's going to be, I think it's going to be very hard to compensate, you know, the rock and the, the organizer in that defense. Like Upamecano to Leipzig back, Leipzig's back four is what Virgil van Dijk is to Liverpool's back four. He's the organizer. He's the leader. Even though, you know, even though Upamecano's 22 and relatively inexperienced and, you know, sometimes still has that reckless bomb forward run. Where he's still he their best center half though. Yeah, he's still their best center back, exactly. And he's still the organizer. That's going to hurt them dearly. And I take, I take comfort in two things. I take comfort in the fact that RB Leipzig conceded three to Istanbul Bashakshir here. Yeah. And I take comfort in the fact that Istanbul Bashakshir here scored three. To kill the, the goal difference there. Because <laughs> if they beat, if they beat PSG in the early kickoff next Tuesday. Which would make my freaking day. I can watch that game against Leipzig and not care. Because the only thing that matters is all who gets the 
the the easier in inverted commas draw because you don't yeah, always get yeah. the easier draw finishing yeah top. and i mean i mean if if psg do lose next week that would mean that leipzig then have a solid chance even if they do lose to united leipzig would have a solid chance oh no it would be uh, i would be tight looking at the table now because of the goal difference alone, because if it, the goal difference isn't the same because Leipzig won against PSG 2-1 and PSG beat Leipzig 1-0. Ah, uh, yeah, they, they'd have to win. They'd have to. No. So all, all like Leipzig, regardless. They have to win. For them, it to, is a must-win game. They have to draw at least Leipzig, regardless of the PSG result. Yeah, but if we're going, if we're going to be honest, are PSG really going to lose to Istanbul? No. Stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened, but at the end of the day, I don't think Leipzig are going to be playing to draw. They're going to be playing to win. I think United probably will as well. So that could be United have to. All three, all three teams have to play to win because they're level on points. Oh, at this rate, any three of them could go. We could be dropping down to the Europa League. That's going to be absolutely sickening. Oh, uh, you! I can just see you on Tuesday next week, just checking the other score, checking the other score. Well, thing is, the, the good thing is they're the earlier kickoff. They're the five to six. Oh wait, yeah, okay. So it takes a little bit of the drama off. So you already know what's going to happen. You so already know. By the time we kick off, I know what needs to be done. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that's for 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 the mental state of mind. It's at least a little plus. But let's move away from something that depresses me and move on to something that actually I nearly cried laughing at yesterday. <laughs> I know exactly what we're going to move on to. And I was skipping. Should we talk Group B? Oh, good old Group B. Also, the second group of death in this Champions League. Because everyone was saying... Real Madrid, Inter, Gladbach maybe. It's going to be a tight race, but we all see Real Madrid and Inter going through and uh, Gladbach going to the Europa League. Well, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, that is not so much the case because even go, going into this match, or no, sorry, after this match day, we now have a constellation where Gladbach were first. And both Inter and Real Madrid were not even going through to the round of 16. And Shakhtar managed to beat Real Madrid 2-0. And this is with a Real Madrid that had Eden Hazard on the pitch. How? It's crazy. I think I don't know necessarily if, if it was more Shakhtar... Wanting it more, I think it was more a case of Real Madrid being absolutely appalling. And despite this performance, many of the media still say, you know, the, the questions about Zidane, will he stay or will he get fired? They're basically non-existent. Like Real Madrid are sticking to Zidane. If they drop to the Europa League, he's gone. And there's a very real possibility of that happening because the way they played against uh, Shakhtar... Gladbach are going into the match, the final one, heavy favourites, I'd say. Well, Gladbach were robbed of a draw in that game as well. 
Oh yeah, they. I mean, they should have been. They should have tied three all. The thing is, Gladbach this game, this time around. You know, the first couple matches we saw Gladbach play so well for like 87, 88, 89 minutes, and then give it away in the last few minutes. This game was the exact opposite. They started out terribly. I mean, Jan Zoma on the first goal. Jesus Christ, man! You should be doing better than that. Uh, I'll be honest. I I did enjoy watching Matteo Damian score. Yeah, okay. We we all know he was a United reject, so oh, give it a rest. Sorry. It's frustrating because it, that offside for, for players' hat-trick goal, it annoys me so much because even if Breland Bolo wasn't there, Handanovic isn't getting to that ball. No, he isn't. He isn't. Little side note. Alessandro Player right now is the top scorer in the Champions League with five goals and three assists. No, he's not. Marcus Rashford well, has six goals. Well, sorry. Uh, before before today's match day, before today's matches. I don't know. Was. I don't know really how that was given as Marcus Rashford's goal, but we'll take it. Top scorer in the. Champions I was about League. to say, mm, but how many assists does Marcus Rashford have in the set? In I don't know. It's only goals that count for top scorer, isn't it? No, top scorer is literally the goals plus the assists. What? Yeah, it's called score points. Oh. How are you a football nerd and you don't know this? Uh, how do you <laughs> decide top score on goals and assists? No, no, no. No, top goal scorer and there's top scorer. What? What you, you said to German me there thing. is top... What you said to me... <laughs> So I was like, there's top goal scorer and there's top scorer, which to me are the same thing. Okay, this also might be a little bit of a language barrier because in Germany you refer to the top scorer as the top, you know, goals and assists giver. Whereas, yeah, okay, that was just a language barrier thing. So ignore when you me. say top scorer, just, just ignore me. We're moving on. We're moving on. Okay. <laughs> We're moving on. Anyways, I think Christoph Kramer said, you know, or described that situation the best. So he said, me being a Gladbach player, I'm saying, how is he given that offside? But if I'm on the other side of the pitch, I'm the first one with my arm in the air saying it's offside. So it is one of those 50-50 things. It could have gone either way. Yeah. And I'm inclined to agree with him because if you want to be really, really little nitpicky, Brelen Bolo had, you know, as far as the rule book goes, a heel in the offside position. The annoying thing is that he's moving, you know, he's because the ball went to the top of the box. So he's moving basically away from goal. And that's why it's very frustrating. And I can understand why Gladbach are frustrated because, you know, that it, it would have done so much for the group. And, you know, that group is tight as hell right now anyway, because even with the loss, Gladbach are still first with eight points. Shakhtar are second with seven. Real Madrid right behind them also with seven because Shakhtar beat Real Madrid twice. So... There's nothing doing in that direct comparison. And Inter are last with five. And, you know, at that point, any four of those teams could go through to the round of 16, which is unreal. I'll tell you what, that Real Madrid-Gladbach game is going to be absolutely amazing to watch. Oh, at the Bernabeu, if only it was with fans, that'd be such a game. It'd be an absolute dream. Oh, I can't wait for that match next Wednesday. Oh, sorry, next Tuesday. No, it is next Wednesday. Oh, was it? I thought they always uh, alternated. Yeah, Real Madrid. That Group B was on the Tuesday. 
Right, right. Um, I'm getting confused again. Okay, but it is time to move on to Group F, where Dortmund managed to drop a few points. That being said, you know, Dortmund, they didn't take their chances. But can we talk about that penalty? Take it away, my man. Take it away is what the referee should have done when he looked at that freaking, no, what the VAR should have done when he sees that call. I mean, Milinkovic Savic, he puts the ball past and then he realizes he's not getting to it. And he sees that Nico Schwartz has his foot planted. And you clearly see how he lifts off and purely dives right before he makes contact with Schwartz. I mean, the reason he makes contact is because he dives into Schwartz. It should have been a yellow card for diving. It's baffling how that is, that is given as a penalty and how that is not a clear missed call by the referee where the VAR, sh- where the VAR says, mm, ref, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's not a good call by you. I'm going to revise that decision. And what the hell is VR there for? It just goes back to the same song that we keep on playing. It's just VAR, they say it's there to help in situations where there is a gross, clear call that is made by the referee that is or missed by the referee, which is not which isn't fair. That kind of room for error or that room for for judgment on the VAR referee's part is just way too large, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. I'm kind of inclined to somewhat disagree and say it was kind of clever, but it is a dive, and I can't defend Milinkovic Savage after what I've just said about Neymar and Paredes. <laughs> I mean, you did say it was a dive. So at the end of the day, you saying it as a dive, it might've been clever, but it still is a dive, which the referee should have seen. And the referee pointed straight to the spot. Which to is be like, honest, I don't know what and what is the penalty anymore. Does anyone? I don't, I don't know what is and what isn't offside. Does anyone? Again, I ask, does anyone? Apparently not. Not even trained officials. I honestly just... I'm not going to lie. I think the officials are the worst, uh, are the are the poorest guys on the in, in the situation because they're the ones who are then told, yeah, these are the crap rules that we've picked out. Make of it what you will. And then, of course, they're going to get stick no matter what side they pick or which way they decide because it is so. The rules are still so. Tra- they're not. They're not transparent at all. They're just so murky and so open to interpretation. It's a thankless task being a referee. Oh, it really is. I mean, people are wondering why they're having, why they have got a shortage of referees in the, uh, in the non-league levels. But before we move on to our little uh, rounds of anecdotes and notable mentions, I think we have to talk about Club Bruges and the fact that when everyone thought that they were going to be the first ones to bow out of the group stage. They now actually have a chance to make it to the round to the round of 16. Yes, please, can they? I I just want to see something different. Like this season is so odd and bizarre. I want to see PSG and Real Madrid in the Europa League. I want to see Club Bruges 
in the last 16. It gives a little bit of a um, Atalanta-Bergamo vibe, doesn't it? Especially the fact that they also both have black and blue kit. Yeah, literally. I, why, why not? Why shouldn't they go through? You know, they've played well. They've shown that they can actually beat money because, you know, thinking about the money and the resources that uh, Zenit St. Petersburg have at their disposal, they, they should have done miles better to get decked the way they did. Yeah. I've not seen a lot of Club Bruges. I think the last time I watched them play, Memphis Depay scored a, scored a couple of goals against them in a Champions League qualifier. And that was like six years ago now. <laughs> You know that, that, but that's the thing I like is always those small teams that all of a sudden surprise you. Like Mitjeland um, against Bergamo yesterday, for the longest time, were leading, and I mean through a great goal um, by Schultz, you know, just takes it right off the volley. But it's those kind of little, you know, those little factors where where the where the small teams all of a sudden surprise everyone, you know, they pull the underdog performance of the year. And then all of a sudden they're in a very, very good place to make it through to somewhere where no one expected them to be. And in this case, that's the round of 16. So, I mean, I'd be all for it. Imagine they, they pull something out of the bag against uh, Lazio. I mean, given they have to win, they have to win against Lazio to make it through, but. Yeah, but I don't see any reason why they can't. I mean, last season they, took the game to Real Madrid twice. Yeah. When they were in their group. And how amazing wrong. would it be to have Lazio, Real Madrid, and God, I beg PSG in the Europa League? Oh, it would be great because that would mean also another upset because Istanbul would have beaten PSG. Oh, just making me smudge thinking about it. I know. And I mean, Club Bruges did, did draw against Lazio Rome. Well, there we go. On the subject of the Europa League, and before we move on to honourable mentions, can we talk Krasnodar a minute? Because they beat Wren tonight, and as it stands, they're going into the Europa League ahead of Wren. Which I think no one predicted. I, I, don't, think anyone th- I don't think anyone thought that Krasnodar would get any points, I don't think. I think they thought it was just a whipping boy. I mean, usually that's that's what you know the Hungarian and the and the Bulgarian teams usually end up becoming the whipping boys of the Champions League, as sad as it sounds. But that's just the way it is. Well, I mean, you know, you get your carabags and things like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, Stad Wren obviously seemed to be missing, you know, their golden boy in goal, Edward Mendy, who incidentally has been keeping clean sheets for Chelsea ever since he got there. On the subject of Chelsea, staying in the same group. Oh, yes. Olivier Giroud gets a lot of stick. Somewhat unfairly. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. Especially when the man goes and scores four goals. And they're not bad goals. I mean, given one of them was a penalty, but they're all great goals. And, you know, he's where a striker should be. He's still one of those classic number nines. He is, he's done his job. And, you know, I think it's sad that he most likely will try to leave Chelsea in, already in the coming transfer window in the winter because he's not getting enough playing time with Tammy Abraham and Timo Werner. Um, because I still believe he deserves to play in a team like Chelsea who have that kind of caliber and who are challenging for titles and winning matches regularly in Europe. 
I'll tell you who could use a, an Olivier Giroud. I'm listening intently now because the last time you said someone who could use a Max Kruse, it ended up being Union Berlin who did go in for him, just as you predicted. I, I mean, this is more of a, of a piss take, but Arsenal could really use a striker like Olivier Giroud. <laughs> you think some of the chances that Lacazette and Aubameyang haven't put away? He probably would. Those headers, Olivier Giroud buries every time. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy is a freaking tank. I mean, he doesn't fit into that seemingly modern philosophy of football of everything has to be quick, slick, and easy on the eye. Ignoring the fact that the man has won the Puskas Award for a scorpion kick, which is very easy on the eye. I was about to say, you, and you say that, but, you know, he's gone and bagged four goals. I don't, like, I think, you know, yeah, Frank Lampard wants to play this, this new modern style of football with a bunch of young players, but you also need the experience. And I think Olivier Giroud has so much experience in the Champions League, scoring goals against top teams. I mean, you, you have to remember he scored against Bayern in 2012. This guy is not someone who is just there to fill gaps. He's someone who actually has quality. And, you know, yes, I agree that, you know, he's more of a come off the bench player, but he's got the quality to come off the bench and make a difference. And um, if need be, decide a match. It, it baffles me because I, I don't like Arsenal. I really don't like Chelsea, but I kind of like Olivier Giroud. And it's like, even when he yeah. joined from Montpellier after they just won the league, they were still like, oh, why have we got him? Why have we got him? It's like, okay. It just, Underappreciated. Yeah, and it just goes back to two things. One, don't question Arsene Wenger. <laughs> because like 90% of the time, it's going to be the right call. And two you don't really know what you had until you haven't got it anymore. Yeah. I mean, there was this great meme that showed that, you know, Arsenal taking on all these players. So basically Atletico Madrid, get rid of Thomas Partey, move up to second. Um, and I forget the other two, but the the other two players that Arsenal signed in the summer, uh, their Gabriel. respective teams. Yeah. Gabriel. And I forget the, th- the, the third one. Oh, was there a um, third one? There was a third one in this uh, in this social media post, anyway. Um, and they basically said it basically showed that all the players that you know had gone to Arsenal, the teams they left ended up doing better, whereas Arsenal dropped to fourteenth, even <laughs> though they spent money. Oh, that's it. They signed Willian on a free. Oh right, yeah, and Chelsea are now third, and he's been suitably crap. I called it as well. Yeah, I mean, he started out great and then tapered off very quickly. Well, it was after he got that hat-trick of assists on his debut against Fulham. Someone else got a hat-trick of assists on his Arsenal debut, and that someone was Henrik Mkhitaryan. (laughs) And where is Mkhitaryan at this point in time? Milling around Rome somewhere. Yep. (laughs) Do you want to talk records... Oh, the man, the myth, the legend, the possibly greatest player of all time, Cristiano Ronaldo has now scored his 750th goal 
and professional football. At the same time, it's also his 132nd goal in the Champions League. He's not human. He really isn't. The guy is 35. He shouldn't be, he should not be doing what he is. No human play, no, no player in my recent memory, except maybe Ibrahimovic, is producing the goods at that age. And Ronaldo's even doing it better than Ibrahimovic. Like, it's just crazy. And the thing is, and this is like going to be the most obvious thing to say in the world. Like this isn't groundbreaking, but it's a joy to watch him play football. Oh yeah, and I'm going to be so sad when he retires. Yeah, and you talk about him doing it at 35. I tell you, he won't be doing the things Ronaldo's doing at 35. And I, I don't want to bring it up again, but I am. And it's Neymar because he doesn't have that same attitude. No, and that's Neymar's what it is with be... Ronaldo. It's an incredible amount of natural ability. With yeah, Neymar's, Neymar's going to sell out, uh, sell out somewhere so he can make his few million. He might go to China or, um, or the Middle East at 34, 35, and then he's going to you know, make his big bucks and then quietly end his career. Not even that. I think he'll be retired by the time he's like early 30s. Do you think? Yeah, I don't think the attitudes are... I think he's got a, a tremendous amount of ability, but I don't think he's got the attitude of Ronaldo, of Messi, of Ibrahimovic even. Oh, Ibrahimovic is a, is a mentality monster. That's the thing. You've got to have that mentality to go, okay, look, I'm going to start getting slowly worse and going downhill. So what do I now need to do to counteract that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Ibrahimovic had, what, two seasons in the MLS? And then he realized, mm, you know what? I'm not ready to completely sell out yet. I'm going to go back and help one of, the, one of the European great teams who've kind of washed out, return them to their former glory. And now they're steaming through Syria. And I mean, Ibrahimovic is scoring one goal after the other. First thing I'm going to do once I finally get my hands on FIFA 21 is bump up his rating from an 83 to at least an 85. <laughs> I put a bit of extra pace on him as well. Oh, yeah. And also bump up Gnabry's pace as well as Jaden Sancho's because that's just, I'm just going to go ham on getting all the FIFA ratings up to where they should be. Oh, just a few more days. I just have to wait a few more days, and then, <laughs> and then we're gonna, then we're gonna have. I'm gonna start playing you, and then you know we're gonna have some inter inter at sports rivalries here. Be some streaming going on. Oh yeah, Twitch at sports coming soon to a screen near you. But going back to Ronaldo, like you don't score 750 you know, goals in a career without having the attitude, the drive. No, you don't. I, I mean, there, there's a very few, uh, there's a small amount of players, I can count them off on one hand, who have scored that many goals. You know, and he will beat the all-time record. I think he's, what now, 11 or 12 away from beating it? Yeah, he's not far off. He's definitely not far off. And he, that's, you know, he will be remembered. He's already got more than Pele. Well, there we go. You know, he will be remembered as the greatest. Whereas yeah, Neymar, yeah. Neymar will just fade away and it'll be one of those players like, oh yeah, do you remember 
Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I do. He was he was good. He was he had a decent bit of a uh, decent bit of talent about him. But you know, um, like when people talk about oh, this is going to divide some people. But when people talk about Rivaldo and Garincha, even maybe Ronaldo R nine. Yeah, they were good, but there's that attitude. And they didn't do it for, you know, 20 seasons. That's what I mean. You know, they don't do it from, for the longevity. I was talking to my mate the other day. We were talking about classic football kits, and I found a 2000, 2003 is when Ronaldo joined United. I was like, Jesus, that's Crazy. 17 years ago. Crazy to think, isn't it? And he might join this summer. <sighs> Don't. <laughs> no don't don't give me hope don't give me hope oh. but there was also another interesting thing that happened with Juventus versus Dynamo Kiev and it is a record the first female referee in the Champions League and she did a good job as well I mean I don't have any criticisms there were no criticisms to be made well, if anything, if you qualified, you qualified. Yeah. Being a man or a woman should make no difference. Yeah, it really shouldn't. And of course, you're going to get, you know, your bigots down the, down the pub and things like that. Oh, well, a woman shouldn't be refereeing in the man's game. Well, have you seen yeah, the state of some in- of the blokes that referee? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like that. Like, you shouldn't be almost handicapped. Because you're a female referee. Yeah, you, you really shouldn't. And I mean, there was this, there was a, there was a little segment um, in German TV as well, where they, they had a, in, in honor of uh, Bibiana Steinhaus, who was the first female referee in the German Bundesliga, because she ended her refereeing career five years earlier than she had to. And she said, you know, you know, for me, it was just, that was just, you know, the time where I needed to, where I felt I needed to step away. But when she first made it into the um, squad of referees for the, for the first season, which is, I think the 2017, 18 Bundesliga season, there were so many questions being asked of which, like, you know, that in the style of which man's spot did she take away? And it's just like, no, she's, she's earned it because she's good enough. She's worked to get there. That's, that's all that should matter. And it's not, you know, this, this whole narrative of, you know, oh, man taken away or I uh, just, ah, oh. that's why things like today, um, having the first female referee in the champions league is a great achievement. It just shows how, you know, we're slowly breaking down these barriers. I'm going to say it's been a long time coming. Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, this is, it's a small step, but just, I think Ste- Stephanie Frappart, she'll see it as an amazing, she'll see it as a massive step. And, you know, she is a pioneer in her, in, in her field. Yeah. And there'll be, if anything, this could spark something amazing. This could have other female referees knocking on associations doors and go, well, look, it's been I've, done before. I've got this amazing record 
in say the women's super league you know i've never been criticized i made every call you know i'm always top of my level top of my game why can't i what's stopping you from going okay well let's put you in the premier league because honestly some of those premier league refs are utter dog yeah yeah exactly and i I think when there is a woman finally refereeing in the premier league that will be one of the biggest steps because you know the steps been made in the champions league and in germany but you know everyone knows that the premier premier league has that you know that that from a marketing standpoint as well that just that that notch higher and if a woman makes it to referee in the premier league i think that will be an even bigger step than the one being taken today yeah we we've got a female linesman we've got sean Massielis. but i think and i saw i, saw, I can't remember it was just some random bigots twitter I saw it earlier and it was like, oh, well, there's a reason women don't referee the men's game. It's because they don't command the same level of respect. Like, that, that's bullshit. The referee is the referee is the referee. Yeah. Jesus. You know, the person with the whistle is, you know, the, the one Lord. with the respect and the command. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're going to get them as, you're probably going to get them as long as you live aren't you? Because there's never going to be a time where, you know, society, all of society is as, as woke as it needs to be, so to speak. But one, one more anecdote before we go, and it is still tied to the refereeing thing. Bibiana Steinhaus, a German referee who was the first one in the Bundesliga. She's currently dating Howard Webb. No way. I'm not joking. She is. (laughs) Oh, let's just turn into some gossip podcast. Let's go. All right, let's have a quick Google of Howard Webb. Howard Webb. Oh, no. I mean, the first thing that comes up is Howard Webb, Manchester United. So I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, but t- type in Howard Webb relationship and maybe, it, maybe it'll come up. Howard Webb relationship. Howard Webb was married, but he, he separated in 2016. Who is Howard Webb dating now? Girlfriends and Biography 2020. Let's go. He says he's single. Where have you read this? What? This was in the... This was... Hold. Hold the phone. What are you reading? Because this was in the German TV uh, report that, that came out Oh, no. Out here like we go. People ago. also search for Bibiana Steinhaus. Ah, there you go. I mean, maybe they've separated in the last month. I don't know. But this was... The, I'm going off of info that's about a month old which isn't very good journalism, is it? Oh, wow. It was in the Daily Mail. Viviana Steinhaus becomes first female referee in Bundesliga history, dot, dot, dot. And she's Howard Webb's girlfriend. It's just an irrelevant bit of news, isn't it? (laughs) Compared to to what the main story is there. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, good luck to them. He's punching. She does look very German, though, I have to say. Like, she's your typical German woman. Like, if I had to think of a German woman, that's just, that's just, that's just the first picture that comes to mind. <laughs> so if you sat me down and you asked me to draw a German woman... Yeah. It would be. But we've gone off topic, and yeah, more female referees, please. There you go, yeah. And I think on that note, we'll end this week's European episode... 
we've got a lot of uh we've had a little little run of woke episodes in the last few last few weeks haven't we we are woke people we are woke people there you go don't forget to like comment subscribe follow look at our tweets we always have a couple of good ones. Billy put out a nice one today about uh about PSG and their diving. So take a go have a look at that. We will be back, of course, next Monday with regular action from the Bundesliga and the Premier League. And, you know, ha- take a special look at the top match in the Bundesliga between Bayern München and RB Leipzig. It is supposed to be a cracker. Hopefully it actually becomes one and it's not some boring nil-nil snooze I'm fest. calling that nil-nil right now. Oh, please don't. It just would, <laughs> it just would fit so well, wouldn't it? You it's know, like hype the Tottenham the whole Chelsea thing game from last week. Exactly. Weekend. Exactly. Hype the thing up to being the top match of the weekend and it just turns out to be a snooze fest of the ages. Oh, no. But that's all from us this week, guys. Next week, I will either be celebrating madly or swinging from the light fixtures. But thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.